welcome to the latest episode of the Test Scotland podcast. Um, I'm here, I'm Henry Hepburn, I'm news editor at Test Scotland, and my guest today is Chris Smith, who was Scotland's Teacher of the Year in 2018, and also one quarter of Britain's brainiest family in 2019, and is perhaps, well, almost certainly one of the, the most, if not the most, uh, enthusiastic advocate of his subjects that I've ever met, and his subject is maths. So Chris, Teacher of the Year 2018, uh, one uh, cog in the wheel of the Britain's Brainiest Family 2019. How are you going to top that in 2020? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. I was thinking recently about what 2020's got in store. We, um, I think as a, one of the things we're hoping to do in the summer is to go out to Uganda. We've mm-hmm. got a friend, Gabriel, who's got a, a centre out there with a an orphanage and a, a school mm-hmm. and a hospital and so we, we were just speaking to him this week actually about uh, going out there and the plan would be for us to mm-hmm. help in that centre mm-hmm. and maybe um, for me to do a wee bit of teaching mm-hmm. and maybe training some uh, maths teachers out in Uganda um, next summer um, that's not a competition no, no. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't get, you don't get any trophy for that um, but no we, my wife we talked about the family brain games and uh, people ask us would you do something like that again yeah. and she she says emphatically the answer to that is no <laughs> uh, Daisy and Heidi maybe they are, are slightly more inclined to, to get involved in something crazy like that so you don't have an agent yet then. we don't I don't have an agent and uh, but if you're willing to put in your CV Henry we can I'll, see if I'll it gets a shot maybe worth just explaining for people who don't know uh, by who criteria then are you part of Britain's previous family <laughs> if they haven't seen the programme or yeah. they don't know anything about it what, what happened there um, so there was a, a programme on the BBC called uh, Family Brain Games it was hosted by uh, Dara O'Brien and they recruited a bunch of families from across the UK. Uh, we turned out to be the only Scottish family who made it onto the show and to get there we had to complete an exam, do a online based assessment. We had to do Skype calls, interviews and eventually um, we were selected as you know one of these eight families that made it onto the show and so we got, were flown down to this custom built studio, took part in this, oh it was, it was a, a tough quiz show with puzzles and problem solving and uh, memory and maths and, and so it was a whole range of skills. During it we were asked a number of occasions, would, would you just say a wee bit about how you think you're going to demolish the, the other teams? And we were like, <laughs> we not really in your character. No, we were like, we don't think that's going to happen. Can you just say briefly how you're the most intelligent family? And we're like, we, we don't want to say that. Um, and so um, throughout, we, we just wanted to have a good time together. And we, we did. Um, and having seen yourself on TV was your gut reaction gosh this could be an alternative career for me also. I never want to see myself on TV again <laughs> I think I think watching the watching the show you maybe have thoughts like that but having been through the 12 hours of filming that it took for each um, episode you maybe think oh this is more there's more to it than mm. you, people appreciate but it was great like sort of being on set and the 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 BBC are, are, were great at just giving giving the girls especially a, How old an the girls insight to yeah so Daisy uh, Daisy now is 12 and Heidi's uh, 11 and so they they were encouraged to see what it was like behind the cameras to try them on their shoulder like to, to talk about how the thing would be edited and so they were really invited into that process and so I think that's that's a really amazing opportunity for them to yeah. have but also it's, it's, it's wise of the BBC to do that sort of thing because it, it 
it's encouraging people to go into a career where they maybe yeah. never never thought about that. So are they, um, is that now so on their radar? That's, that, that, that is on uh, Daisy's radar. More than <laughs> she's she's the one who would uh, maybe enjoy the limelight the yeah. most. So she she thought she would be after Dara's job. Right, you know, okay. we when people were saying, "Would you like to do this sort of thing again?" She was saying, "Yes," but I would In be standing seat. over there. Uh, yeah, asking the questions. Uh, yeah, and. Did you uh, did you always want to be a teacher? Was that always an ambition from a young age, or when did the, the penny drop that this was a career for you? Yeah, so I enjoyed enjoyed school growing up, and uh, and that was where, where did that you was. School? So I went to school in Loudon Academy, mm-hmm. New Mills Primary, and then Loudon Academy in, in Ayrshire. And while I was at secondary school, there was actually a, a, a discovery in mathematics, which was rather a, a big deal, mm-hmm. right? So there's this. Um, there's this guy 400 years ago, Fermat, and he'd mm-hmm. written something about um, a, a rule related to Pythagoras' mm-hmm. theorem, right? And he said, yeah, people all, people know, and I've known for years mm-hmm. that you can find uh, numbers so that you get A squared plus B squared mm-hmm. plus C squared. Mm-hmm. And he says, see, if you change those twos to threes or fours or fives, you're never going to find integer whole mm-hmm. number answers mm-hmm. that will satisfy that. And so he, he'd said this, and... Um, Fermat had, had written this. He was actually like he was a legal guy and and a sort of recreational mathematician. Mm-hmm. And he'd written this back in his in his in his journal. And he'd, he'd basically written it in the margin. He said, I, "I've got amazing proof mm-hmm. that this is the case, but it just won't fit in here." Mm-hmm. And people were like, That's an always, "I know, so. <laughs> it's like total scam." Yeah. You know, people are like, "What what's going on? What 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 did they discover?" And so people for hundreds of years tried to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And uh, while I was at secondary school, this guy uh, down south, um, Andrew Wiles. Mm-hmm. He he cracked this. He'd been sort of hidden away in his attic, trying to solve this for years, and uh, then finally announced that this had been he'd sorted it all out. Mm. So that happened while I was at school. And so I, I think I was drawn to maths at that point. This, you know, is, maybe, secondary this is when I was yeah, secondary yeah, school, yeah. and um, so I decided I was going to go to Strathclyde and mm. do maths. And while I was there, um, I guess when you're at university, the idea is that you're meant to think about where this is all heading. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me. Um, I was just enjoying it too much, so I had no, <laughs> I had no vision about. You were in the moment. You yeah, thinking. You know, this is no. my career path. Or, so I got uh, to the end of four years uh, at university and had my degree, and had no clue what, what to do with it. What now? Yeah, <laughs> and so the, uh, the the lecturers talked to me. Uh, one of my professors, Adam McBride, he said, "Why don't you stay on and, and do a PhD?" Uh-huh. So the idea of research, um, it sort of ticked the box as in it gives me something to do. With my maths, why do I do that? And so I was going to be researching, it was sort of maths and medicine, it was mathematical modelling of blood flow in the human placenta. And so we were looking at what can you learn using maths about how um, how the placenta works? And so we did a wee bit of experiments. We went down to Nottingham and a woman donated her mm-hmm. placenta and we did some experiments, you know, put it into an MRI machine and tried to look at blood flow, but it was quite hard to visualise, um, which justified my existence because <laughs> if we could see it, like there would be no need for the maths. Mm-hmm. But anyway, this... So this is something that we I began and I did, did this for about two years and, you know, there were... There were opportunities through that which I loved you know I loved going to, I went down and spoke about it at the House of Commons mm-hmm. I went over to to Munich as a, as a speaker to speak at a, a conference and that side of it I loved but see day to day sitting in, a, in an office on, on my own working on this problem mm-hmm. in front of a computer or, or just writing away I, I didn't find that inspiring mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't it, it wasn't really it didn't suit me as, as, a, as a person but while I was there they were I was allowed, the Strathclyde were, were saying, well, why don't you, you need to take tutorials, you need to take lectures. 
I mean, I was doing that. I thought, this is this is brilliant. This is this is what I should be doing. I, I love I love talking about maths. I love working with the undergraduates, the young people. Um, and so we did have a few discussions about well, maybe I could keep doing this at the university, but without research is what drives mm-hmm. universities. Mm-hmm. And so um, I decided I was going to do teacher training, and I was going to I'm going to use that this newfound uh, appreciation of teaching as an opportunity and go for it. And uh, and young, young people, I'd always sort of worked through the church mm-hmm. with uh, run youth groups and uh, Sunday school camps. So and they were a thing. total mystery so, to you. <laughs> yeah, so I, I knew that that side of things I, I would be I'd be all right with. Yeah. I knew if, if you gave me a group of kids, I would be able to sort of work with them, no problem. Mm-hmm. And n- now the idea of communicating mass and fusing those right. together in a career just all made sense. And so I decided to do that and it's, it's something that I, I love. So were you? And so when when was it you qualified as a teacher? Then how long ago were we talking? So uh, two thousand and six is when I started started masturbation. I mean, I've actually said at the start where you work now and what your what your job is yeah. at the moment. So uh, I started in two thousand and six in Grange Academy in Kilmarnock, yeah. and uh, this is two thousand and nineteen, and I'm in Grange Academy in Kilmarnock, and I'm doing the same job. I'm a classroom teacher. Uh, I dabbled for a wee while in the acting principal teacher uh-huh. job, but it's. Being in the classroom that I, that I really love. That's where you so thrive. That's, yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. And when you when you went in, uh, you qualified and you were there, so newly qualified teacher in two thousand six. You said you know you felt quite comfortable about interacting with the kids and so on. What were you most worried about, or what did you not think? Not sure if I'm able for this, or you know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that aspect of it. Yeah. What was the the most stressful part as a, a new teacher for you? Yeah. So I think um, one of the things that long term you build up if you're especially if you're in the same school for a while is that it's a sort of reputation mm-hmm. pupils know what to expect mm-hmm. from you and and because of that it, it's it's much easier mm-hmm. someone just dropping into a school that that can be quite difficult mm-hmm. and so i remember thinking what if what if the kids are misbehaving while i'm writing in the mm-hmm. blackboard and so <laughs> what i did was i bought a set of uh, wing mirrors and i screwed them into <laughs> my board so that even when i was writing on the board i could have a wee look <laughs> in the wing mirror and check whether they were misbehaving and uh, i think it just i don't think pupils really thought oh he can see as we better misbehave they probably just thought this guy's a weirdo <laughs> um, but actually i remember thinking what what will i do when i can't see what's happening behind me that was that was a that was a concern and also just the idea of um i know i know maths but how do I know how long I'm meant to spend yeah. teaching fractions or yeah. teaching trigonometry or whatever? When do they you get know, it? Yeah, when do they- <laughs> yeah. Am I meant to be doing this for three periods or three weeks? Am I meant to be, you know? And so that that that's something that I think, um, as a, I would imagine, most newly qualified teachers would 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 struggle with. And and you really need someone in the department who's going to guide you and help you uh-huh. and with with the, the the practicalities of how to do that. So how important was that for you to have more experienced colleagues that that sort of helped you settle and, and, and get your head around things like, okay, I know my stuff, but I don't know how long it takes to impart that stuff or get the kids to yeah. understand it the same way that you do. I think the, the probational scheme was 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 brilliant mm-hmm. for me. I had someone who we had regular meetings with and we, we, we chatted every week. We had, um, I had, didn't have a full load on my timetable. Mm-hmm. And that so that all of that helped with that preparation. Mm-hmm. But I came into a department that was, that was lively and that people were caring and people were willing to help even you know that you come in and you there's some things you think oh I know it all you know but clearly you don't, you don't. and uh, so I, no it was, a, it was a great place for me to start my career yeah 
And interestingly, one of our previous podcasts with, was with Maureen McKenna, who's the Director of Education in Glasgow and a maths teacher yes. by trade. And uh, we asked her in her time in education what had been the, the biggest positive development. And she mentioned the probation scheme that you've just referred to. And yes. some people who are listening to this might not know the Scottish system that well. So the probation scheme obviously is, is uh, something in Scotland whereby you do your university, uh, um, your time at university, but then... You go out and you have a, a year. I don't know how you'd explain it, but you have a year yeah. basically where you're, you're, guaranteed. you're guaranteed a post yeah. and you're supported yeah. and you don't work totally full time hours. That's, fairly that's close right. to it. Yeah. But, uh, so you ha- and and you have you had options of doing um, the probationer scheme mm-hmm. or just going down the supply mm-hmm. route. Yeah. And I, I definitely think that looking at all the the pros and cons of that, I would say that the probationer route is is by far uh, the the one that equips you the best. You know, you're you're less. You're not isolated. You're not just left to go on with it. You're not here and there and all mm. over the place. So I think it's. I think that is a, a brilliant um, opportunity for people. So it was a big part of helping you hit the ground running at the start of your career. Yeah, yeah. and it's a, it's a wee bit of a lottery, I guess, because mm. you you sort of pick your the five councils that you'd most like to live yeah. in, and I guess there's some strategic voting yes. there, uh, <laughs> possibly. And so, and even once you get into that council, you know, some authorities are are really um, vast in terms of the the area that they cover. So you could be anywhere, um, and so. I guess that is a, a wee bit of a postcode lottery. Yeah, but, you didn't, you didn't yeah. go for the preference waiver then. Did no, you? no, no, no. no, yeah, this no. Is, again, for for viewers outside Scotland, this is a system whereby Scotland having some very a lot of very rural and small small schools where it's maybe harder to attract teachers. That uh, some te- there's a scheme whereby you can. Uh, forfeit any say in where you end up in your probation year and could end up in anywhere from the borders to Shetland to yeah. the Western Isles and, right. uh, and there's a financial incentive for that but um, uh, anyway that's an aside so you've had 13 years uh, now as a teacher um, the, the eternal question that we're always asking people is what makes a great teacher what's, what's your take on that what's the what's the essential qualities or attributes that you need to be a great teacher yeah so I, I think I'm I think one couple of things I've, I've already sort of touched on yeah. a wee bit. You know, I do think that I know that if you don't like working with young people, that is that is an anti-ingredient. That is not <laughs> where you want to be because it's not good for you. It's not good for them. And I think we all can and, look back on our own school days and remember teachers who didn't really seem to like yeah. and, <laughs> children. That and there's much. a difference between um, the teachers who are like that and those who. Uh, give off a vibe that pretend that they don't like right because right? okay. you get those teachers who claim claim that they do not like children but you know by the way that they conduct themselves the way that they work with those pupils that what they bring out in them and how pupils flourish in that classroom that that can't be the case. So deep down they care, they're just not very touchy-feely yes. about yeah. it. Yeah, and that's, that's absolutely fine. Yeah. I can look back yeah. at teachers who... Um, who would have had that sort of impact in in, in me uh, my life as a as a as a as a pupil, um, and uh, and realise now that they were they were excellent at, at what they did, and they, that must have been this part of that must have been the care that they had. Um, I think it is important that you do know your know your subject, and I, I have sympathy for primary teachers who have to teach the whole the whole range mm. across the curriculum, you know, they have to be teaching social subjects and science and music and maths and English and uh, to, to, to be able to, to, to pluck out knowledge across mm-hmm. that, that. That's tricky. Mm-hmm. And also subjects like, um, which are so, that change so much, like modern studies or... or um, modern compute. studies particularly. Yeah. I should say we're speaking on the day of the general election. <laughs> so I know more just of these teachers are tearing their hair out sometimes yeah, just now, the pace right. of change. Yeah, PowerPoint's changing yeah. by the day, you know. Yeah. And... 
and or computing studies, mm. which you know, computing computing is obviously advancing, and so there's a lot of, of change in there. And so um, I do think it's important that teachers are up to date and current, and but know um, the content of the subject. I would say that if you've got those two things. Mm. There's a lot of other things that you can learn. You know, there's mm. techniques and there's tips mm. and there's strategies and there's excellent resources that you can uncover all over the place. Mm. And and so those things can be added. So I think if you've got the bedrock of, you know, a, you know, a, a desire to work with young people and a, I would like to say a passion for your mm. subject, mm. you know. Um, I think some people... You know, there's a sliding scale on that. You know, yeah. there can be people who know know what their job is about. But actually, I think if you're going to inspire pupils, I think if you're going to motivate them, I think if you're going to um, encourage them to to take your subject further, you need to really be excited about that and know why um, why your subject is worth studying. And, mm. and yeah. And looking back again to when you were uh, you know fresh out of university, done your probation year, um, is there anything that you had? got completely wrong in your head you'd look back now if you could sort of speak to your younger self and say no you had that completely wrong about teaching and that's not how you should have been looking at it that you you know is there anything that you would advice you would give uh, to, to young teachers now who you might you know again see things that way yeah I think there are I think there are things that things that I did which um, I maybe did for reasons which different reasons uh, there may be things that I did which which paid off unintentionally you know the things that I, that I did which um, I can think of like specific things in the classroom so I, every every day in the classroom pupils would come in and on the board I would have a wee thing down in the corner mm. and it was a a wee picture and then the date and then they would come in the, and I would talk about the fact of the day it wasn't always related to maths, but it was this wee opportunity to be a storyteller, to tell a wee story about an interesting fact that happened on that day. And it would, it would maybe after they finished their starter questions, I would I would say, right now it's time for the fact of the day. And I, I knew that when I did that, that people sort of listened in and just, I had their attention and I gave them, I told them that, and then we got on with the, re- the rest of the lesson. I always felt that, that that worked like way better than I ever expected. And I think I just thought it would just be an extra wee part of the lesson, you know, just break up the lesson a wee bit. But actually, in terms of sharpening their focus and bringing it in, and actually, sometimes it would related to maths, or sometimes it was just them learning things. But I knew that the, the pupils, that that was part of the lesson, another part of the lesson they enjoyed. And parents would mention that, mm-hmm. these facts at parents' night and that sort of thing. And that wasn't something that I thought was a big deal. But, you know, like, Having done that over the mm-hmm. years, I think it's it's a nice it's a nice element to have brought in, and um, I think also about there are things that you did during your probation year which you were doing because you thought it made you more employable, <laughs> okay. right? An example. And so, for example, <laughs> um, I remember uh, the principal teacher saying, "We there's a the English department. They've got it. They've got this sorted. They've got this thing called a, a newsletter, right?" <laughs> and so they said, "We've got yeah. They've got a newsletter where it's got like lesson ideas and it tells you um, the important when the reports are due and all that." And they said, um, "Who who who'd be interested in doing this?" And um, there's just that tumbleweed. And then of course there's the probation uh-huh. who needs the job uh-huh. and thinks. Yeah, I'll I'll take that on. I'll I'll make a, a weekly newsletter. I think, right? Is this the origin story of this your of your the, newsletter? Yeah, I should. I was going to ask you about this later, but I should say at this stage that you are known well beyond Ayrshire, well beyond Scotland for your maths newsletter, which has thousands and thousands of subscribers. Um, and 
is extremely popular. You can maybe can you tell us a little bit about yeah. it or why you're uh, you know it feels quite old school now. Why why you're not doing a blog or a podcast or something? Why is it still a newsletter? Why is that the yeah. format for you? So and it's so it's origins are selfish. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I wanted a job yeah. and I thought this would be uh, something that I could talk about in interviews. And so that was it. And it, it also was designed ideally for a department. It was, yeah. it was only for the 12 or 13 so people was the, that were there. The first run had a circulation of how many then? It so would have a circulation of 12. 12. Yeah. <laughs> and so first run gave 12 people and it, so it made sense for us to be sharing who's to bring the milk this week uh-huh. for the for the fridge in the maths department. <laughs> now that we have... Well, that's the sort of minutiae that was in the newsletter. Yeah, it still is. Three, we have, I have 3,500 people from across the world, people in Australia and America who know... It's never their turn to get milk though, is it? Well, you might <laughs> think it? that. So usually you'd expect it to be the, the existing people who buy uh-huh. the milk. But I've got newsletter readers who get in touch and say can I provide the milk this week? And they'll organise a, like, a Tesco order to come to the school. It's brilliant. Like that's always our best week because uh, these folk who are just like generous, nice people uh-huh. who want to say thanks for the newsletter, get in touch and they say, um, they, they also send like biscuits and, you know, it's always the best order. You know, if you're in milk in the department, you usually just bring in like two, two big tubs of milk. But if, you know, whenever it's a guest, guest, uh, milk rota person oh it's amazing we're getting examples of such so, chance circumstances in life where you <laughs> just trying to impress your bosses in 2006 has led to people in <laughs> Brisbane buying milk in 2019 yeah. so. so the newsletter it, it has a weekly puzzle uh-huh. it's got a sort of silly thought for the week it has lesson ideas it's got resources that people can use it's got maths trivia it's got little number facts it's got so that's the that's the sort of it's sort of the kind of newsletter that I think I would like to read uh-huh. from so if if, it's, if it's fun, yeah, basically, yeah. yeah. And there's a bit yeah. of the, the joy of what goes yeah. on in our department. You know, yeah. there's, there's photos and reports about what we have been up to and telling telling about that. Um, and so that's that's kind of what it what it is. is it, how many weeks a year do you do that? So I do this every school every week, and uh, we're on during school term. Okay, term. so you do so th- all this. Yeah. yeah. So thirty nine a year, uh-huh. and we're the next issue. So issue four hundred ninety nine will come out on Friday. And then at the first issue of 2020 will be issue, the big one, issue 500. Okay, what have you got planned for the 500th issue? Um, well, uh, yes, yeah, so the, the editorial bits kicks off with uh, a reference to uh, the fact that it's 500. This is exclusive news. I know this is, so, isn't um, it? Giving away all your best that's stories. Okay, that's okay. <laughs> um, I thought I would about making a, a, a song called I Would Walk 500, I Would Store 500 Files because <laughs> I was going to take the 500 newsletters and actually put them online because uh-huh. your question before uh-huh. was like, what an old school buddy duddy yeah. way to do this, uh-huh. a newsletter. Yeah. Because, because, but I'm, I'm sort of stubborn that way. Uh-huh. You know, I know that I've been doing it as a PDF yeah. since... 2006, seven, and so I, I'm just wanting it to to keep going like that. Um, and I guess back then, blogging wasn't quite as. Yeah. I mean, it was it was probably on the cusp. Just coming in, yeah, it, exactly. Yeah. So maybe if I'd started it in 2008 or nine, this would have just been a, a blog. Mm. However, one of the things that that I maintain that that it's worth it is because I speak, I send this out by email, and people reply, and every week I get replies from people from across the world mm. saying. I tried this lesson in my class and it went really well or I don't understand uh, this bit. Can you explain mm. what we're doing here? Or here's a photo of the kids in my class. Mm. We're trying out one of these activities. We loved it. Or, or 
can you give me some advice on this or, or just thanks for, for doing this and it's it's lovely or telling me a wee bit about what's happening in their lives and I feel like it's been a, an, a lovely way to connect with people from across the world it is amazing well, one of the things that traditionally is ground down teachers is that feeling of being away in a silo on your own and you yeah. never really interact very much yeah. with other people obviously that's changed quite a lot I think uh-huh. these days but uh, when you've got that to uh, you know on an even grander scale, I mean, how many countries now have you got? Uh, well, are you sending? I, to? I don't know if I could. I don't know even know if I could yeah. keep track of. Yeah. I'd imagine Should we, every continent, it might be, ba- yeah, Antarctica. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right? That's right. That's right. I need someone to move there yeah. who likes maths. That'd I'm be a scientist great. down there. Maybe you could drop one of them in. But yeah, but it must be. I'd imagine it'd be a hundred countries. It might yeah. be something like that. It's and how much work goes into each each newsletter? Yeah, so it does take a wee while, mm. and uh, I kind of feel like. To keep on top of it, I have to build up a sort of, I've got a file on my desktop that's called emergency stash. Right, so you're not which, just solely concentrating on the next issue, you're maybe sort yeah, of thinking a few issues Yeah, down. so I've got a few issues down, uh, already sorted yeah. for, for the new term. Um, but it does, it, it would take, I guess it might take three or four hours a week yeah. um, to do that. And does anyone help you at all as a Totally a one-man. It's a, it's a one-man thing. Maybe maybe I notice as I get older there are more typos. Uh, I do have quite a lot of pedants who get in touch and say, uh, you, you you wrote the word the twice yeah. uh, or whatever it is. Uh, um, and I notice that, that the frequency of that is alarmingly <laughs> <laughs> increasing. Um, but no, it, it's been something that, without that, I don't know. I think it would, it's just brought so many opportunities, so many... Um, so many interesting collaborations, you know, so, and yeah, so in the 500th issue, I'm going to have this sort of focus on, uh, I'm going to include a wee bit about the the 500 Miles song, Mm. because I made a song based on the Proclaimers, Mm. uh, 500 Miles, uh, and it's a a maths version of Mm. it. And so I've got a picture of these guys, uh, the twins uh, from the Proclaimers holding a copy of the right. newsletter. It's not so, uh, Photoshop or anything. No, so I've managed to, I've convinced loads of like people like Johnny Ball, he, he gets the newsletter, uh, and so he sent me a picture of it. Got, uh, got Nicola Sturgeon and uh, Rachel Riley from Countdown uh, and Hannah Fry. And, so, how did you uh, get the Proclaimers so on board? The Proclaimers, well, the Proclaimers, I and think. Are they going to record a special version with the lyrics changed? I really, <laughs> I really hope that they will. <laughs> so, the Proclaimers uh, photo happened. Uh, two years ago so I was going to be speaking at the Scottish Maths Council I was doing the keynote at this and so I wrote to them and said look I've kind of uh, this, is a, this is a big deal for me it's, it's usually professors or the the heads of big maths organisations that do, does this this keynote and for some reason I'm, I'm going to be doing it and I was thinking of doing a song and I would love to do a massive version of, of your song and also I'm trying to get other people to sign up uh-huh. for this newsletter so See if I email you. Will you will you will you print it? So I asked them to print it off as well. So they had got their colour printer. They printed it off and they sent me uh, sent me this this photo. It was great, you know. Like it just it was a perfect intro to that song. Really? You know, I'm saying to 400 people at Stirling Uni, I'm, I'm, I'm going to sing a song to you. And it was written. It's based on a song by these guys. There they are. They've got, look at them. They've got the newsletter. Did you play Don't guitar? You, or you, you play? need this in your life. No, I played the piano. Piano, sorry. Piano. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, bashed it out and. The key of G because that's I'm not a music teacher but I do like to to sing about uh, math it's, it's one of the features of uh, my teaching and uh, yeah so what's your favourite math song uh, um, well and is it a self-penned number I, my, my all-time favourite has got to be there was a, there was a wee boy in my class um, he's now left school but his name is Joe and uh, he said sir see 
since you love pie so much, can we can we write a song about pie? We're talking pie. As We're talking uh, song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I was in killing pies. Well, that too. But uh, yeah, the, the mathematical number uh, pi, which is starts three point one four one five nine two six five three five eight nine seven nine, and it's in so many different areas. How many digits can you get to without? Well, I was asked that question today in class. And I had to admit that both of my daughters can recite pi to more decimal places oh, I know, than I, I can. I know, they're already become those kids. <laughs> and uh, so Joe had said, can we write a song about pi? And he and how old was he at the time? He was in first year. First year, right. And he said, what about doing the pi MCA? So take the YMCA and, and recreate a massive version of it, the Pi MCA. And so we, we decided this was what we're going to do. We wrote some lyrics. Um, they all decided that they would adapt the, you know, the actions for the YMCA. They were going to adapt it so that um, you could do Pi MCA. They were all going to wear fake moustaches like the village people. Mm-hmm. And then we were going to perform it in class and that we'd video it and put it out on YouTube. And so they, they were up for this. I couldn't believe it. It was great. And so that video is still something that I watch every, <laughs> every year. Uh, like when it comes to Pi Day, which is 14th of March, 314. Uh-huh. Um, we always watch that again. And it's amazing to see them jumping about and singing, singing about Pi. It's, it's amazing. And the Museum of Maths, they had a, a competition in 2015 looking for the best math song mm-hmm. and for Where's the Museum of Maths? It's in New York Great okay. and so they decided that uh, for the high school age that Pi MCA was their top song so right. they won, okay. the, won the competition <laughs> they invited me over to um, New York but it was they said, can you come over on Saturday? Oh, I'm sure. like, this was Thursday. I'm like, don't <laughs> think so. And I'm teaching Friday. Um, so that's, Pimes is, uh, when I watch it back with those kids, I think it's brilliant. I don't often perform uh-huh. it on my own because I think it was a sort of class thing, whereas um, there's other ones that we've done, like um, we've got one called Use a Ruler, which uh-huh. it went down so, like better than I expected uh-huh. because some of the maths that's in that it's based on the song Hallelujah right. so it's use a ruler <laughs> um, and they all get the rulers and they sort of wave them from side to side but the maths in that is quite sophisticated right. like it, it's to do with the uh, proofs that we look uh-huh. at in advanced higher so it shouldn't really have mass appeal uh, but I sang it at children in need in our school like to, to uh, an assembly hall of you know 600 kids so it resonated with the 11 year olds I was thinking I was imagining it was going to totally bomb <laughs> But they had their iPhones out and waving them about. It was it was brilliant. Um, so those are those are some of the fa- have you ever favorites. Have oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Oh, it's so worst, that, worst, worst, worst on day. that same day, right? So because I thought my prediction was, user ruler will not go down well with the younger kids. They won't. They might not even know the song Hallelujah, yeah, right? Okay, yeah. uh, apart from maybe hearing like Shrek or something. Yeah. Um, so they might not know that and the, the contents might be a bit above them. So I thought I'll do something to appeal to both ends of the spectrum. So at the time, there was this annoying song, Baby Shark, yeah. and I had heard kids in the corridor doing the do, 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 do. And I thought, what I'll do is I'll write some questions, maths questions, where the answer is two, 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 two. Right. So get up on the stage. All the kids are looking. So this is almost opposite of the other one where the other one you're thinking this is going to bomb. Yeah. This time you're overconfident. Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah. I've totally misjudged the situation. And this is the one I do first because I'm, I'm like, yeah. I'll get them on side. Yeah. And the first slide goes up and I do it and it's complete silence. Like I couldn't get, I'd say if I tried to get 600 kids to be silent instantly, it would never have happened. <laughs> but see, it, when I did this, it was awful. You see the Henry, just it was, it was, floating in front of I was like, I'm actually going to die here. <laughs> and then, of course, I've got six slides because there's mommy shark and baby shark. Uh-huh. And 
the the person operating the slides won't just move on realising that the song has died you're going to have to go through um, the whole thing so I had to do all the verses and then uh, so so then I was thinking right okay next song three minutes of your life yeah so then next song we did use a ruler and for some reason it was an instant hit maybe a relief that maybe Shark wasn't going to I think it must have been so I think that's I think it's also nice to realise that things do not always go the way you plan sometimes there's just a uh, sort of Car crash factor, moments. and you just yeah. don't quite know why things. Yeah. Have, there's yeah. sort of alchemy in teaching sometimes. That's there? right. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you, you talked about Pi Day and how you always like to do something for that, and you've done some great, almost a way called stunts because that's sort of selling them <laughs> short, I think. But uh, can you tell us what you did for Pi Day this year and what your favourite ever maths? If we're not going to call it stunt, I don't know if we call it a, a happening, a, an yeah. event, or a, antic. A, an antic. Yeah. Here. <laughs> so this year you had hundreds of kids out for Yeah, so Pi this Day. year I decided that we were going to try and get over 200 kids choreographed out on the playing fields and we were going to get them in some way to represent the, the digits of pi. So what I needed to do was I needed to give them all a large uh, sheet of paper with a a number which represented one of the digits of pi, and they were going to have to hold that above their head and stand in the right position in a in a invisible grid. There was no grid. I was just telling them A one, you're there. A two, and mm. and to try and coordinate them. And so people thought that was going to be the the, the most risky, the thing. most risky part of this, right? Yeah. Okay, this is not going to happen. You know, it's not a military operation that we've got here. But actually, the worst thing was that we we're going to do it outside and we we're going to capture it all using a drone, uh-huh. right? And in the run up to that Pi Day, the weather was absolutely horrendous. Even the morning of Pi Day, I drove to work and had to go back on myself because the road was flooded, uh-huh. and so and people were going to be standing. Out on the out on the grass. So it's the not even astrotrophic. It's, it's grass. No, You're thinking it's grass, sinking into grass, the grass, and yeah. I'm like, they're going to be their things are going to be flapping all over mm-hmm. the place. The drone actually, if it's too wind, if it's too windy, the drone can't actually even operate. This might be a total washout, <laughs> literally. And so uh, we weren't sure if it was going to if we we're going to be able to pull this off. But we, during during the two times when we were out on the outside, it was. We managed somehow, like the wind died down, nice clear, and so we had to get the kids out and, and to coordinate 432 um, pieces of paper uh, from the sky to, to do this this pie, uh, representation of pie was just, pff, I couldn't believe that it, it happened. But every year we do try and do something uh, wacky. Maybe it is wacky. Yeah. yeah I think it is. I think it is. Um, I think my, my all-time favourite was, um, it started, so it didn't start in March, but it started back in August, so August after, of the August of the previous year, previous right? School year, yeah. So I come into school after the holidays, and I'm driving in. I had a, I drove a wee. It was a terrible wee car that I had. It did. A, it had pie stickers on the hubcaps. It was sort of falling to bits. Um, even still, it only it only done like twenty eight thousand miles. But it was it was t- a terrible car. My wife like always wanted us to get rid of it. Anyway, I noticed that my mileage was at twenty eight thousand, and I was thinking, well, at some point. Maybe during this year, I don't know. I'll get to thirty one thousand four hundred and fifteen miles, which mm-hmm. would be three one four one five. Some of the first digits of pi. And so, I said to the kids in the class, "Do you think that's likely to happen this year? Do you think it's likely to happen the year after? Maybe we should record this." And so, from from that day, 
every Monday I would tell them what the mileage was and okay. so they would have this big chart in the classroom mm-hmm. like a, a graph and so pupils were coming in and saying oh what's your mileage today can I plot it on the yeah. graph and so they were plotting it so is this across all the whole this one is, wall this is the, a, like a one massive thing. board a display yeah. board yeah. right and so each day each week we were having a look and seeing what was happening and some of them were saying oh we can spot some patterns here, mm. sir. You know, this bit looks like this. and Or maybe uh, your car, you didn't use your car over the October yeah. holidays because yeah. the mileage didn't yeah. go up the same. And some of them were beginning to learn about, you know, equation of the line of best fit. And mm. so they were saying, we could actually work so out. Your kids, so this is, well, I, I, I thought it was just going to be like one class, but all of them were finding ways to interact with this. So from the youngest, and so from the youngest the right up to the oldest, oldest yeah. yeah. And so they, some of them were able to work out what the equation of the line of best fit would be to help them predict whether mm. I was going to be anywhere near Mm-hmm. and fairly fairly early on they said well I think you're going to be quite close because mm-hmm. to, to land it on 31415 mm-hmm. on Pi Day mm-hmm. right so managing not only to, for it to happen but for it to happen on this specific day I mean what are the chances and so it came round to Pi Day and they'd been tracing this and watching the, the trends and I came in and I said guys I've got bad news for you my car's at 31,414 miles or one mile under I'm sorry Pi Day's cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> but what we did was we piled out into the car park in our in the school there's a wee roundabout uh-huh. and so I just went there and drove round for, a, for a mile. <laughs> yeah. So we basically just went round and round and round this roundabout. The kids are sort of cheering in the background and uh, eventually got to 31415 on the actual day. So, so was there a massive uh, explosion yeah. of uh, so joy? Yeah. So got a wee bit of a video, video footage of that and the kids sort of cheering and I'm peeping the horn because I'm too excited about this moment as well but yeah all this sort of stuff you're describing probably sounds pretty much the diametric opposite of <laughs> how some people perceive maths as something very difficult mm-hmm. uh not for them you know some might even say a bit boring and and those sort of attitudes i think hardened quite early on in life i was quite shocked when my uh my daughter a few years ago who must have been P2 or P3 and she always loved reading but she came home one day and, and she found a couple of songs difficult mm-hmm. she said I don't think I'm a maths person. At the age of seven, she's made, she's come <laughs> oh, to this no, decision and said, oh, no, yeah. no, you are a maths person. You can be a maths person. Don't say that. Don't say that. But, um, you know, is that something you find you have to overcome? And almost by the time they get to S1, have, have sometimes those attitudes hardened so much it's almost quite hard to reverse them. Yeah. So, uh, you know, one of the things that I find really interesting, occasionally I'm invited into like nurseries mm-hmm. or, you know, primary schools. Mm-hmm. And you know, one of the things that I notice is that at nursery age, let's say, Pupils, kids love numbers. Yeah. They love learning to count. They love telling you what shapes they know. Uh-huh. Like, what would you? What shapes do you know? Triangle. Well, what's what's a triangle like? And they want they want to tell you. You know, or spotting patterns. And so you tell them about. You talk to them about these things, and they're, they're dead keen to to tell you what they've learned. And um, you know, church kids will say to me, "Oh, you know, I, I know what two plus two is. I don't know what four plus four. They want they want to tell you weird like number facts, right? So where does so, fear, fear come in? So then? so that I think that that is something that. I know is there and I know we lose at some point. Uh-huh. And I was speaking at a conference recently and it was mainly primary teachers uh-huh. were there. And I was saying, look, I know that something happens. And for for the majority of kids, that tends to happen. I would say primary five, six, seven, S1, S2. Mm-hmm. Something in something mm-hmm. in there goes wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, you know, we need to look at addressing because we don't want that to happen. And so um, one of the things I was speaking about that conference was... Um, Here's a resource that I think would would help help you guys with with that for kids at that stage. But I think also it's a wee bit to do with what we were saying earlier about primary teachers, the burden that primary teachers mm-hmm. have to teach all across the mm-hmm. curriculum, and that 
that's tough. And I, I get that. I know what subjects I'd be most passionate mm-hmm. about if I was a primary teacher. Um, and and I think it's really vital that um, our primary teachers do a good job of 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 maintaining that sort of enthusiasm about about numbers and the value in that and the merit in that and the reasons why it's really important that your your numerical skills are there um, because that's going to equip you in in a whole bunch of careers that you might not even expect or or, or need it Um, and also to show them things in mathematics which are are interesting. That's not to say that there isn't, that maths can't be hard Mm -hmm. because maths absolutely Mm -hmm. can be hard, right? Okay, there are are things um, that are puzzles even this week that I was watching my senior kids do and I didn't have a clue like how to solve them and these guys were, were working together as a, as a team in this fiendish competition and they were so that, that in that context maths was really hard and that was challenging even for a, the most able kids maybe that I've ever worked with and they're struggling away at that so it's not that that we need to teach people that maths isn't hard because mm-hmm. maths everybody can find a level at which mm-hmm. maths is hard for them yeah but what we need to do is we need to say look it's, that doesn't mean it's not it's, it's not worth studying um, and we need to show pu- pupils that maths explains the real world one of the things that um, I feel like blessed by going to Strathclyde Uni is that that was always what they were they were talking about like it was about a place of useful learning and how maths could be used to explain for example blood flow in the human placenta yeah. it's something that I talk about in my classroom I say look these things are these Maths is, is useful and, and so when I was at uni in that department and I was doing the placenta stuff I was in an office with somebody who was working on liquid crystals and so he was talking about how the displays on your, your TV screen are different from the TV and the display on your on an ATM because you on a, on a TV screen you want everyone to be able mm-hmm. to see from whatever angle they're at if you're standing in front of the cash machine, you don't want the person at the, at the other side of the street to be able to look across and read you, uh, read on your screen. And so the, that's all to do with the, the mass behind that is, is phenomenal. And so that's all based on the angles and like that these things are they're activated at. And so being able to talk about that and share a wee bit about um, instances where mass is relevant and mass is, is helpful, I, th- I think that's one application of mm-hmm. it. Well, and I should say maths reaches into everything. Look at the election today all the polling analysis look at you know football matches the weekends yeah. so the data analysis there technology health you mentioned is that one of the big things you think we need to overcome then is to is to you know maybe some kids have a sense of mass as an abstract thing that is not connected to their world so is that yeah. a, I think, a jump we need to help them yeah make? i think or, so i think there's a couple of things there first is that some people will need mass for areas which they don't I expect at the moment. So my brother-in-law, he he works in in he's he works in designing apps, and he's do he's doing he's trying to get to grips with uh, the real network and trying to and he knows mm-hmm. now that if he'd stuck in at maths that that would have helped him. And so yeah. he's having to learn a very specific bit of maths to help him overcome what he's doing in, mm-hmm. in his his career. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely think that the applications of maths are really is really important, but also just. It's possible to to enjoy um, maths in its sort of abstract sense, and so actually as a context yeah. for 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 joy and for interest, and um, it's easy to to pose a simple question which actually gets people's thinking, even if it's not. Uh, this person has this much money and they want to do it, apply it in this way, and there's a percentage involved there. You know, I think I can see even you know just some this week asking people's questions about you know, how many of the multiples of seven 
less than 200 ending a number one. Mm-hmm. How's that? Where's the, where's the connection to the real world there? Mm-hmm. Right, it's not there. Yeah. But I know that when I put that up on the board this week, this week as a starter question, people started to, to try and tackle that in yeah. loads of different ways and think about... It's and, the same impulse to make someone do a Sudoku or a crossword or something. Yeah. It's, there's no end goal beyond the pleasure of really doing yeah, it, is there? that's so, right. Yeah. Satisfaction yeah. In, in, yeah. in accomplishing that task, yeah. And what, I mean, you must come across this a lot, misconceptions about maths, um, whether it's from pupils or non-maths teachers. I mean, what, what's the biggest misconception one that, that, you, that you encounter? Um, I would say that one of the things that, and we, we've been doing a lot of work with this, you know, in the Making Maths Count. Uh, yeah, we should say this is a sort of national effort in Scotland Absolutely. to, sort of, I guess, change perceptions about Yeah, and about one, maths, of, one of the key know. things is to, to change the perception. Mm-hmm. And I would say that's one of the one of the hardest things to chip away at. Mm-hmm. You, I have loads of time in class to, to spend with pupils. I can mm-hmm. I can I can mould them and I can I can work with them and I can convince them that maths is something that they can they can get into, you know, at whatever level is, is appropriate for them and that they can have success at that level. But I can't have the same impact on a teacher uh, on a parent who comes to parents' night mm-hmm. and sits in front of me and says well, I was no good at maths, so my son's going to be no good at maths. Oh, I was no good at English. Hey, I was no. I was, you know, that that sort of thing is is really hard. That's hard if that's the message that's, that's at home. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. and so I think it's really important that um, teachers let the parents know either through the you know the reporting or through parents' night or whatever that actually they talk about the things that the pupils uh, their children have. Uh, had success in mm-hmm. like say look well that might be the case but look they've, they've managed to do this this mm-hmm. year mm-hmm. and maybe you think that's that's a surprise to you but people can everybody can improve in, in their mathematics you know they, they might be starting from a different point yeah. but they can get better they can learn new skills mm-hmm. they can they can uh, they can appreciate something they didn't appreciate before everyone can enjoy it dare say yeah, yeah. yeah well so. I, I think that's I think that's a possibility yeah. Yeah. <laughs> ultimately <laughs> so I mean there's a big just generally in Scottish education just now there's a big focus on parental engagement so do you see then that as being really key to overturning these sort of hardened uh, attitudes and misconceptions absolutely yeah. I, I think it, I think we, we don't want to ever underestimate mm. you know the impact that that, that the, the parents views and uh, what we'd have on, on, on their pupils um, and I think, I think there is a, there is a, I think there's a move towards maths not being having the same reputation that it, it once had. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think there is a sort of, um, there's a sense in which maybe if twenty five years ago, if you called someone a, a geek mm-hmm. in the in the classroom, then that would be some sort of insult. It's Whereas, a bit more of a badge of honour now. I think it is. Isn't I it? think yeah. people are moving towards. Well, that's just that's what you're. That's what you. Is that good a big at. bang of That's what changed that. Maybe, was it? Maybe. maybe it is. Maybe it is. Or I think there's also the sort of thing where um, people have that mentality that it's this is what you want to do. You go for it. You achieve that. Mm-hmm. You work towards that. And it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. whether that's in dance or whether that's in sport or whether that's in 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 maths um, people are, are more, I would say more encouraged to, to just what they what they what they enjoy what they have a flair for to, to, to follow that dream and so maybe that maybe there's a wee bit of that as well excuse me you might have seen now I'm sure you did see last week there was a report an Education Scotland report which uh, looked at maths in Scotland uh, across the different levels and of secondary education there was a suggestion that uh, well, certain words I've noted down from the report where it could be variable, weak, that sometimes the approach to maths was a bit passive, that sometimes it just started to become at too early a stage, very exam-focused. Is that something you recognise as, you know, as, as a true 
picture of how things are in Scotland or what's your response to that? Yeah, so I think you can I think it's interesting to to see a snapshot from a handful of schools mm. and what, what mm. people have observed in those. Mm. I think if you if you came into different schools you would certainly get a, a different experience mm. and, and we know that. You know mm. that there'll be exceptional teachers and there'll be people who are inspiring and there'll be people who um teach in a, a variety of ways. Um I still think that maths um and it might not be trendy to say it, but maths, you learn maths by doing maths, mm-hmm. you know. Um, we don't encourage our kids very often to to get involved in uh, writing flashcards and doing mind maps and whatever. We would say, look, see if you want to get better at something. Um, you want, we want you to practice it and practice it and practice yeah, it. No You're like, there's yeah, not, there's yeah. no shortcuts. Mm-hmm. You might be a brilliant musician. You put in the hours. You want to be an amazing mm-hmm. footballer. You've got to be training and mm-hmm. you've got to be practicing those skills over and over again. And if you want to be really good at maths, part of what you need, you know, it's not the only thing. Like, because we, you know, I, I, we recognise that we want to nurture kids who can solve problems they've never seen before and to to work on things that are are, are a different context. But actually, they do need a bit, a bit of practice in that. And so, some of some lessons, you you know, some of my lessons, of course, they're like ridiculous and, and mm. out of control and maybe they don't look anything like what you would expect in a math classroom but if you came to my if you came to my class for a full day you would see plenty of times where mm. pupils are sitting working through problems who who are sitting and maybe spending 20, mm. 30, 40 minutes working on uh, 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 some questions that I put on the board or Whatever, that's that's something that I think is, is needed. And there's satisfaction to be gained from that. Not everything has to have bells and whistles, does it? Yeah. You know, it's, uh, yeah. And I think that raises a really interesting question as well because there's a, sometimes a bit of an ide- ideological battle that goes on in education. And maybe this is more, uh, the moment taking place maybe more in England than in Scotland, but an ide- a battle between this sort of more knowledge-led approach and a more project-based, you know, interdisciplinary learning and skills-based approach. But I think what you've talked about uh, with us and all the projects and the, the the happenings that you've had but also the you know the, when as you say there's some things there are no shortcut for is that you seem to be trying to hit some sort of a sweet spot between the two that's yeah. a bit of a false dichotomy it's not yeah. one or the other there's uh, you know yeah. there's a uh, is that how you'd see it absolutely and, and maybe that maybe that's seen as being uh inconsistent or you know hypocritical but i i know that I, from what i've experienced that i see things that work and those things are things that I want to do again, and also I feel like in the in my where I am in the school that I'm in, I have the freedom to experiment and try things. And if they don't work, well, we, we gave it a go, and, and we don't need to to do that again. But you also don't need to beat yourself up about it. And I think uh, if I you know if I was a if I was a young teacher, you know I would say, you know I would want I would want someone to say to me. You feel free to, to give this a go and to try it. I mean, uh, here's what here's what I've learned from the last thirteen years. But actually, you know, if you've got something to go try, mm-hmm. go for it and mm-hmm. see see how you got on. Um, but yeah, I think there there is a there's a wee bit of sometimes, especially you're looking on Twitter between mm-hmm. uh, the traditionalists and the progressives, and 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 I think. I'm, I'm not really sure where I'm sitting in here. Yeah. You know, at times I'm thinking, yeah, I agree with, I agree with what you're saying. I can see where yeah. you're coming from. But um, I think I think it's dangerous to, to sort of um, discard mm-hmm. um, one group um, uh, and or discard both groups in mm-hmm. some cases. But um, yeah, so I think my, my teaching is a, a variety of, 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 of techniques that we've, we've learned mm-hmm. from, some picked up from colleagues in my department, mm-hmm. some gleaned from 
looking out for things in the newsletter, some ideas that I've, I've seen from educators in America or, or Australia or whatever. And I think that, that there's never been a better time for you to be able to pick up um, pick up tips from teaching or get advice from people than, than now. I think that one of the things that I'm just blown away with is that in the mass community is that on, on Twitter that there is... There are so many people who are just keen to share their expertise, share their resources, chat chat to you, and 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 I think it's I think it's so, so supportive generally. You know, there's there's the odd argument, yeah, and, yeah. and people get into that and uh, lose the plot from time to time. But overall, it's it's a really welcoming place. It's a really it's a it's a great opportunity to to as a sounding board sometimes mm-hmm. as well. Well, social media gets a, a bad reputation and deservedly so sometimes, but would you say it's helped you with that, the connections you've been able to make and getting ideas from all across the world? Has it helped make you a better, better teacher? Uh, yeah, undoubtedly. You know, I think it's, I'm not convinced it's, uh, my, my, my real life friends aren't that happy because I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't, I only use uh, Twitter for, uh, for stuff related to, yeah. to maths, you yeah. know, so um, they moan that I don't follow them on, on Twitter, <laughs> but I, I'm not on there for that, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm on there because I think it's a useful, um, I'm using it specifically for uh, teaching mm-hmm. and so, um, but I think it's it's been it's been something that I've really benefited from and, and I think it's just, it's an excellent opportunity. I think you do have to have thick skin, like you said, mm-hmm. and especially, you know, we've been, I've helped out on some things through Mass Week Scotland, which have been directly connected to, you know, like the Deputy First Minister's mm. uh, daily mass challenges. Mm. And, you know, it's brutal for people who are in that, mm. in that situation, you know, like anything that you put out as connected to politics, people just slam and, and mm. you know, it becomes, becomes pretty vitriolic at times. Yeah. But if you're able to just say, well, that yeah. doesn't matter. Then, then it's 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 great. You're the kind of just thought I put together a nice few months. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, another big issue just now for, and not just for maths, but across the board, really, is teacher recruitment. Um, I'm wondering if you could tell me, looking back, I don't know if you keep in touch with many people that you were at university with, but I mean, did many of them go into teaching? What other sort of careers did they use maths to get into? Mm-hmm. What's where where did people tend to end up? Yeah, it was interesting actually because I think. I obviously didn't know that I was going to go into teaching mm-hmm. and throughout our degree we were being, you know, given insights into where you where you might use your where you might use your uh, your maths degree. And a lot of people chose to go financial route, mm-hmm. you know, and went into, you know, maybe uh, became actuaries or or went and in, got into um risk analysis mm-hmm. or, you know, that those sorts of uh, well paid yeah. um high pressure mm-hmm. high pressure jobs and which is is fine and that's one of the things I tell my pupils you know like see if you you'll be in demand as a as a maths graduate mm-hmm. and dep- depends what you're interested mm-hmm. in so I mean I, you know if you're driven by money mm-hmm. well then maths is a, a good option mm-hmm. you know you'll be well you can be well paid using your maths skills mm-hmm. and uh, people who I went to uni with you know some of them have done that um, others went straight into teaching um, others have come to teaching later on you know I've tried something else tried then, thing, yeah, yeah and decided that no actually this is this is where I'm mm. I'm going to end up and so I would say that financial the financial sector and teaching are by far the biggest mm-hmm. draws mm-hmm. Um, that, I, that I've seen and um, yeah and how do we at the outset at the point of graduation encourage more people to choose a teaching route rather than the very well paid if if 
pretty high pressure environments that yeah. they might go on to. I mean, what's, how, what can we do to get more people to consider teaching? Well, I think that we should have, we should have teachers who are passionate about the job and who think it is a worthwhile mm. job. I think the university should be inviting these people along to speak, even even for 15 minutes at the end of a, a lecture about, you know, what, why they, why they should consider teaching. You know, I think if people knew um, what, the, what the job was like in terms of, you know, the good aspects of the job, that we could, we could sell this. You know, this isn't, this, I don't think it's a hard sell mm. uh, to convince people that, that teaching is an option. Mm. You know, it, it does depend on what they want to do. It depends whether they want to stay, uh, if they want to travel the world, then maybe it's, you know, even then, I suppose you could, <laughs> there's good demand for teachers. Teachers all, everywhere. Yeah, of course there are. And so maybe, maybe that is another uh, perk, mm. but you could definitely, uh, we could definitely be, Selling, selling the profession uh, better, and mm. I think we do want people who are um, who are highly, highly trained and who are who are going to add add to the the quality of, of Scottish education. So, if it was your if it was your job to sell teaching to up and coming students, what's the first thing you would do? What would you change to 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 get you know try and get some more people into into the profession? So, I think I would. I would identify people who I know would be do a great job of talking about talking passionately passionately about teaching and the opportunities that are in teaching and the the joys that are in teaching and the exciting things that happen in a in a year in a school and I would get those people and I would have them going to every major university like as people are maybe at the end of in midway through fourth year as people are coming to the end of their degrees and, and are and maybe in my position where they're clueless, don't have an idea. You know, maybe if somebody had come to me in, in the end of, middle of my fourth year and said, uh, here's my what I've been up to in, in a school recently, you know, this is uh, this is why I love teaching. Mm-hmm. I might have thought, well, maybe that's a, an, an idea. You know, some, someone someone who's doing that. It's different. Loads of teachers end up teachers because their parents were teachers. Yeah. yeah? And yeah. so they have that insight mm-hmm. and so and still go into it you know and so I think that if you don't have someone in your life who's a, a teacher you know my dad was a work for Scottish Power mm-hmm. and my mum uh, she she stayed at home and so I didn't have a someone in my uh, my, my parents as teachers um, so maybe if someone had said look this is this is something you should think about then I might have thought about it another uh, we talked about misconceptions about maths earlier are there misconceptions about teaching that you encounter that if people just knew wait a minute that's actually a load of rubbish <laughs> they'd be more inclined to consider it is there anything that you hear well I think you, you would also need to be um, telling people that a balanced picture. Yeah, you know, I think to be truthful. Yes, because yeah, yeah, I think be there are misconceptions yeah, yeah. about teaching that, you know, you start at nine, finish at half three, yeah. and you're, you're off for two months over the yeah. summer. You know, like I think yeah. there are things about teaching which um, people who have never done it think mm. that you have an, mm. an easy easy life. Mm. And so I think you would need to be balanced up and say, look, this is this is the reality mm. of, of what it's like. And there's paperwork and there are, there's, there's longer hours than you expect. Mm. But... Um, I think I think people would, especially when you you tell people what you do for a living. I remember actually, I had been pulled pulled over by the police. Uh, I'd i been very very. It's always the start of your I know. Story. <laughs> I'd, I'd been very very naughty. I was on my phone when I was driving, mm-hmm. which obviously I regret. Um, and I was pulled over by the police and ended up in the back of the police car. And they were taking my details and they said, uh, "So what do you do for a living?" And I said, "Oh, I'm a, a teacher. I'm in a secondary school." 
And uh, the police said, uh, the policeman said, oof, you're brave. <laughs> and I thought, well, wait a minute, you, you have to stop riots, yeah, you are chasing artists. Yeah. Surely uh, if any of us in this car are brave, uh, it's not me. Um, but I think people, when they hear you're a secondary teacher, yeah. imagine that you are like enforcing the law and yeah. that people, the kids are absolutely Feral out of control yeah, yeah and that they are uh, they're terrifying you're terrified to go into work each day and it, it's not like that it's not like that um, certainly the school that, that you know I've been teaching in you know there, there are of course there are pupils from time to time who are who are difficult and who who are challenging and whose behaviour is a result of of difficult situations at home but actually the majority of kids come in and they are compliant and they are respectful, mm-hmm. and they are brilliant to work with, and make make the job mm-hmm. uh, so enjoyable day in day out. And so I would I would want to I would want to knock that on its head. I would mm-hmm. want to say, look, you could go and work in a school, and you could have a uh, like don't don't think that discipline is going to be yeah. the the thing that that ruins it. It can be, mm-hmm. you know, if discipline is going down, uh, is is not is not a priority for a school, then that can that can begin to, to wear down mm. people and I know that that's the reason why some people mm. would have left uh, teaching um, and so I would hope that people who are in that situation might think about a job elsewhere mm. uh, rather than just uh, leaving and maybe that's something else that we need to consider mm. you know when, when the GTCS know that there's someone who isn't really teaching anymore maybe just looking into that and saying why, why did that person yeah. leave is that so is that a situation that was specific to that a school could be resolved yeah, you know, yeah. yeah general teaching council we should say for yeah. those who don't know general teaching council of scotland is gtcs and <laughs> um, so, so maybe to balance all that what is the what's the the best thing about teaching and what's maybe i don't know is there a story you tell to people that just really sums up what it's all about um oh man i think uh you know, I do. I do think it's just amazing seeing working with pupils day in day out, and I I know that the worst, the second worst part about being a teacher, uh, especially in a, a secondary school, is that you spend six years with these pupils, and then at the end of it, they go away, mm. they leave, and yeah. that's a that's a sad time. Yeah. You know, it's something that I never look mm. forward to. Mm. You know, these pupils disappearing. Yeah. Um, the worst thing, by the way, is in service days. Right. Um, <laughs> <Okay. just> <laughs> but um, so I guess in set days, I sort of call it. Yes, the that's world, right. So, so yeah. oh dear. Um, so I would say that if you think about that being the worst thing, what must be the best thing? The best thing is you, you you spend six years with these pupils and you see them mature and you see them begin to to have an appreciation and a an enjoyment of the the subject. You know, I think we we. We know that our pupils in our school love being in the maths department. Mm-hmm. So I mean that we we they they choose maths and they they want to be there and they are still there in fifth year and sixth year. We have pupils who who love to you know want to come away to, with with us to to maths camp every year. You know we have like a hundred kids who come along, sign up for a revision weekend. You know and they're going to be doing 15, 16 hours of maths over that weekend. But they they have grown to to appreciate maths and, and they, they see that as, as something that they want to do. Mm-hmm. And so I think having that impact and pupils are contributing to that, you know, as part of a team, because there's a there's a whole a whole department who are heading in the same direction and that. Um, that's that's a that's a lovely thing as well. And so I think um getting to know these pupils individually and um, working with them and seeing them flourish, that's 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 brilliant. And um 
if those wee times where a pupil has struggled with something really badly, eventually gets it, has that light bulb moment, you know, and maybe puts in a, you know, gives you an assessment to mark and you notice, oh my goodness, they, they now get this and uh, sort of celebrating with them, you know, high five, that is yeah. amazing. You you now get this. Mm-hmm. You said that you weren't, you weren't going to do this. Um, one of the most frustrating things you'll hear as a teacher, as a kid who just says, almost as a reaction, I can't do this, I can't do this. And saying to them, look, can you do me a favour? See over the next three weeks, can you try not to say, I can't do this? And we'll see if we can, we'll see if we can fix it, right? We'll see if we can get you to the point where you can do this, right? And that, But I want you to ban that phrase for the next three weeks. And then seeing the change in, in them and then, you know, at the end of, you know, the next year, you're saying to them, look, you know, you were so frustrating. This a couple of years ago because you just had this attitude where you said I can't do this but, but now look at you yeah. you know that's amazing what a change in you that's brilliant mm-hmm. um, so I think seeing a seeing a change over time mm-hmm. uh, it, and maybe that's in perception mm-hmm. or maybe that's in the change in destination as to where this pupil's going to head in their life yeah brilliant can I ask you about something completely different now and um, back in the summer as we were preparing for Scottish schools come back in August we asked lots of teachers um, and other people who work in Scottish education for the biggest hope for 20, 2019-20, and you were one of the people that uh, were good enough to respond to that. I could, could maybe just read out what, what you said. Um, you said, it's tragic to hear about so many young lives being snuffed out by the scourge of suicide. It's heartbreaking to imagine so many young people feeling they don't matter or that there's no hope. I'm praying that we see this alarming trend of suicide dying out before any more of our young people do. Could you tell me a little bit about, you know, when I asked that question, what, what was it that led you to... To, yeah. to say that to, mm-hmm. to give that some answer so I think um, through the time that I've been at uh, the school that I've been at we've seen more more pupils or more one, current pupils but also pupils who've left within one or two years and um, taking their own lives mm-hmm. and that is that's just so 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 sad mm-hmm. like um, whenever somebody dies who you know it's it's tragic but see when you see young people with their whole life ahead of them, just um, taking that decision, that it's just, it is really, really, it's really, really mm-hmm. sad now. And um, there's been a few instances in our school, it's mainly been, mainly boys, mm-hmm. um, but occasionally it's, you know, it's been a girl and, and I remember the last time that, that uh, a suicide affected our school community. The next day, I was, I came into the class and, and every class um, that I had that day I said look I want, I want to speak to you guys I know that there's been something that's um, that's really upset and happened and some of you will know um, the girl that's involved and I want you to I want you to listen really carefully because I want you to know that you matter mm-hmm. I want you to know that people care for you I said every time one of these uh, tragedies occur there's this outpouring on social media saying this I'm really going to miss this person I love this person and, and so I want you to know that that would be the case for you, right? Okay, so you need to tell your friends that you care about them and you need to hear that from them. Mm-hmm. And I care about you mm-hmm. and you you matter and you're, you're special and you there are so many people in your life who would who would be distraught if, mm-hmm. if this happened in you, to, your, to you. So you need to do whatever you can to, to deal with this. And I, I, I get that people have hard lives and I get that people go through difficulties, but you need to you need to reach out, you need to speak to people, you need to do what you can, right? This is a this is something which is um there's no turning back from. We all make mistakes. I make mistakes. I do things that I, I regret. But this is something that's irreversible. So you need to think you need to think really you need to 
just now start thinking about who do I trust? Who can I speak to if I'm having a hard time? Um, because we don't want to see this um, epidemic um, spreading and, and taking a grip on, in Scotland. And we know it is. You know, suicide statistics are, are, are horrendous. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think maybe in schools, but you know, dealing with mental health and and and, and, and speaking to kids is, is really important. And it feels like just maybe in the last two, maybe three years that uh, mental health, not only in education circles, but just more broadly in society has become something that people have become more open about. You see it discussed more often in the media and in quite responsible terms usually. Is that something that you see that, say, compared to when you entered the profession in 2006, that there's more awareness, there's more willingness to discuss these issues and try and work out what schools need to do to to support young people's mental health? Yeah, I think that's definitely something which is a a focus. Um, I'm trying to think back to even my my training Mm -hmm. um, as a teacher training and trying to think how little Mm -hmm. that was was a, a focus. And, you know, partly it was because... It wasn't such a, a, a big deal, and you know there were other big issues to, to to deal with. But just now, it's absolutely one of the the main things that, that teachers are having to contend with in schools, and, and uh, management teams are having to think about how do we handle this and how do we deal with deal with the, the trauma of this. But when it when it ha- when it goes badly, but also how do we equip pupils to 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 be ready for this and so there's lots of different strategies mm-hmm. going on but at least people are, are beginning to talk about it and I think it's I think it's important for, for teachers who um, the pupils know and trust and know that care for them mm-hmm. that they do the sort of things that that I was doing that day like I, I would hope that you know that that even if that there was a couple of kids in each class who thought about that that I think that's really important um, and, and it it does affect people and it affects everybody and I, I, there was a girl in my um, primary class um, and she had when you were a pupil sorry. when I was a pupil yeah. she was in my primary mm-hmm. seven class mm-hmm. and later just in the last five years maybe some of like that she had she'd taken her own life mm-hmm. and I remember putting up um, my primary seven photo up in the up in the up in the, the screen and talking to the kids and saying, "Look, here's my primary seven photo and uh, let me talk you through some of the characters and tell you some tell you some wee anecdotes but let me also tell you about about Alison. Here's here's something that's really sad. Do you know what I mean? And and just sort of talking about um, the choices that, that that she'd made that maybe led up to this. But but even still, that she still had she maybe still had other options. Mm-hmm. And and so I think it is important that that teachers um, don't pretend that they've got it all together or that everybody in their life does. Because I think sometimes pupils might think that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it is good for us to be able to say, look. I'm having a really hard time today. You know, I wasn't in school yesterday because I was at a funeral of my friend, and that's really sad. And some of you have that, and you know, at the moment. So, I think uh, I think that does that does help for teachers honesty, to, open up for teachers to be honest and yeah. genuine um, as well. Um, I'm not saying that they have to come in and <laughs> unburden everything on their pupils and obviously there are some people who, whose style in the classroom would be very different to that but I think there needs to be some people in the likes of our pupils who are able to open up like that. and you've seen that from from having that openness so you've seen that make connections with pupils and yeah. they, them subsequently open up to you or to yeah, colleagues uh, absolutely and I think they've, uh, the pupils have appreciated that and they've, they've spoken about it afterwards you know they've come to me and said look that what, that lesson meant a lot to me or or even just what you were saying today thank you for that um, sometimes it triggers memories for pupils mm-hmm. and they maybe get upset and, they, and I've seen as well 
their friends deal mm. really uh, really nicely in that situation you know like someone that needs to needs to go out the class and have a have a greet and have their friends saying look can I go can I go and comfort them and, and, and going alongside them and so even that like that's and, and making a making a big deal about that with the two of them and saying look this your friend really cares for you wasn't that lovely what she was doing and, and thank you for doing that for your pal um, that's that's exactly what we should be we should be doing for each other you know like our, our uh, weekly bulletin that we read every Monday it sort of says uh, work hard be kind last is sort of school mm-hmm. like these are these two phrases and uh, you know I find myself quite often say to the kids what are the four words that from the bulletin last four words of the bulletin um, when, when I need to remind them about being, being kind or about working hard and I think these sort of sim- simple messages like that they're worth worth sharing mm-hmm. just got a couple of last quick questions for you first one is if you had a magic wand for education in Scotland you could just change one thing overnight <laughs> to make it to make it better what would the, what would you do what's the, the first thing you want to do magic wand I would be saying I would like to have 15 kids in each class mm-hmm. I think if I know that there are there are reports about and statistics and, and research that shows that class size doesn't have a uh, have a, a huge bearing on mm. on attainment. But for me, I know that 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 has a that has a difference. I know the the, the quality of, of feedback and interaction I can have with pupils during every lesson. I know that I'm more inclined to write more and more helpful feedback and and. Uh, homeworks that I'm returning I know that I can have more of an impact um, if I had smaller classes that would be that would make a massive a massive difference I'm sure mm-hmm. if we were able to um, not have classes of 33 and 30 and I know there are places in the world that I'll wait, if I go to Uganda next mm-hmm. year I'll be in a classroom with 70 or whatever but if that was if it was a magic wand scenario that would be it that's what you do yeah and finally, uh, this is a question we've asked a few people now. Do you have a favourite fictional teacher? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think if I was uh, going to identify one fictional teacher, it would be um, Dewey Finn. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, Jack Black's character in School of mm-hmm. Rock. And there are so many things. That... Is there someone you model yourself on? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bit worried that now uh, that my, my head teacher already thinks I'm a loose cannon. But if, if he thought that that was who I was modelling myself on, we'd be in real trouble. Um, he, I really like this idea of someone who is singular in his vision mm-hmm. right okay this he's he's actually meant to be teaching everything mm-hmm. but he is he is obsessed with music mm-hmm. rock music mm-hmm. specifically and he wants the pupils to learn and so everything right. everything becomes it's related to this yeah <laughs> and so i feel like uh i feel like i've got the liberty to do that because i'm a secondary uh-huh. teacher that i can narrow in and say yeah. look i'm all about the maths right okay there are other things uh-huh. of course but I'm, I'm really i want to i want to focus in and um obviously he sings like uh silly songs yeah. and be like math is a wonderful thing and I feel like I can see myself doing that sort of thing in the classroom and uh, what I like about that is that um, it's, if that was set in a Scottish school uh-huh. in most Scottish schools Jack Black would be at the front singing math is a really cool thing <laughs> and kids would be slumping down in their chair you know they'd be like head, head in their hands you know like this, who is this guy um, but actually you know he's, he's enthusiasm like he, he goes for it all out and I, I think that's I think that's a wonderful thing to see 
I'm not sure you'd have won the competition at the end of the film with the baby shark song. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, we'd have been, yeah, we'd have lost, we'd have lost all, uh, lost all respect and lost the competition. Yeah, it'd have been a bad one. That's great. Thanks, Chris. This has been an absolutely brilliant uh, chat we've had there, and uh, thanks for being so honest, uh, so open, and uh, uh, and share all your stories. It's been great. Thanks again. Thanks so much, Henry. And uh, join us for the XTS podcast. Thank you.